Welcome to Basecamp for Men. I'm your host, Tony Rezac. This is a show that gives you insights and resources on how to live a more courageous life. We'll be looking at men, the current state of masculinity, and how to create a more inspiring narrative for all men. Welcome and let's get started. As a former athlete, I highly value courage. I always have. As a kid, I saw athletes as warriors who lived at the edge of what they thought they were capable of doing. And I still count Muhammad Ali as one of my favorite Americans. As a man who spoke truth to power, I know that the champ would have had some pointed words to give to those that perpetrate the official COVID narrative. Can you imagine a young Ali if he were asked about Tony Fauci or Bill Gates and what he thought of their opinions? I could just see Ali laying into their hypocrisy in his inimitable style and swagger. Do you think Muhammad Ali would have lined up to get vaccinated? Yeah, right. Or how about the great George Carlin? Do you think he would have complied with the narrative and the mandates or eviscerated the lies and have you laughing hysterically while he did it? George would have had a field day with this, and we all know it. I still take my cues from those with courage, although it looks different today. I don't look to athletes anymore. Today, I admire people who can stand in and express their values and their principles, especially when those values are courage and freedom, which is at the core of who I am. Heroic people come in all shapes and sizes, everyday heroes that remind us of something, that as Americans, we carry this courage and love of freedom in our DNA. It is certainly active and alive in one part of our tribe, and is coming like a wave, an activation key that has waited for the right sequence to further awaken we the people. Today, my guest is one such everyday hero. My guest today is a courageous woman named Victoria Palmer. Victoria is a truth activist, a Seattle native, and organizer of the Seattle Truth Network, an open discussion group that's questioning the COVID narrative. She has made over 145 appearances on the streets and freeways of Seattle with signs such as honk if you question the mask mandate. I love this. Here is my interview with Victoria Palmer. Okay. I am here with Victoria Palmer, activist, citizen, grassroots leader, Victoria Palmer. Victoria, welcome to Basecamp for Men. It is great to have you on the show. Hello, Tony. It's good to be here. Absolutely. I've been really looking forward to chatting with you. You know, you've created this grassroots group in Seattle called the Seattle Truth Network. And I just, first of all, I want to honor your courage because we live in a time right now when you know, I so just want to applaud people who stand out, step into their truth and be courageous. I, I'm somebody that values courage a lot in the people that I'm around. So I first just want to honor your leadership and your courage in creating this. And I guess my first question is kind of, were you always a, an activist, like when you were younger, or was there something that put you into motion that had you kind of being more courageous and more of a leader and speaking your truth right now? Uh, truthfully, no, I was not an activist before this. Um, I was actually, I worked at the family business for 22 years, uh, finally doing human resources and in manufacturing and whatnot. Um, so to me, the element was always about helping people. That was a big drive for me. But I did start to wake up around 2012 when there was a tremendous amount of truth coming out onto the internet and YouTube. And so I was part of the movement of people trying to digest this and wake up to things. So I had a bit of a head start when I started the Seattle Truth Network back in 2015. It was, and it was um, a group, we, you know, we posted on Meetup and we'd bring new people in to our group. And I, um, 
I saw it as a platform for truth and discussion where, you know, all viewpoints on things were welcome. Mm -hmm. And so we were really successful in that. We, we'd had discussions, we'd have presentations on different matters. And um, so I, I have that. So that background really helped me when all this started. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, what was the first thing that caught your eye back then in 2012? Was it like, was it 9-11? Like, was there something like 9-11 was kind of a big one for me where I rolled up my sleeves and said, what the hell is going on? Something doesn't look right here. But what, what was it for you that first had you kind of looking at the official narrative and going, wait, I'm, I'm starting to see some things that don't make sense here. Yeah. 9-11 was a big one. I yeah. mean, that happened in 2001, but you know, the internet wasn't what it was back then, yeah. um, what it is now back then. So you know, the tr- it took a while for the truth to come out, but that was in about 2012 mm-hmm. and, and going forward. And even though I was full-time working, I had a son, you know, I was, uh, you know, very busy in life. You know, it's like the truth kind yeah. of was penetrating. It was starting to get through to me. Yeah. So at some point I kind of just opened up to that and realized, okay, I have to put more focus on this, more study into that. And you know, you know how it is. It's like one thing leads to another. You're peeling off layers of, um, Deception. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. Have we even gotten to the bottom of it? I, I couldn't tell you, but it, we can see enough to know that there's deception. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, what was it about the COVID nineteen narrative that first maybe arrived on your radar as, huh? Wait a minute, something's going on with this. Like, what? What? How did that unfold? Where you went? You know what? Something doesn't smell right here with this either. Yeah, last year was probably the strangest um, year of our lives, I would imagine. And mm-hmm. so going back to March, my radar went off when it started to affect like real everyday life. I mean, before, when you're studying 9-11, it's always over there or it's, you know, it was the war on terrorism was um, other parts of the world. But this all of a sudden started to affect us in real life, um, like... Uh, we started to see signs up, like at the zoo, where these exhibits were closed because mm. of COVID nineteen. And then it really hit home on March fifteenth when a friend and I were driving around just looking to get a cup of coffee in Seattle, and yeah. we couldn't get coffee anywhere. Everything had shut down, and I was like, "Oh wow, this is okay. This is hitting hitting home." <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, it was surreal, right? It was. It was like, very what? surreal. They canceled coffee culture in Seattle, like like yeah. on the flip of a switch. <laughs> well, and you're still seeing it. I mean, supposedly we're coming out of it, but you still see lots of signs that the, the impact, the social engineering impact of it is that, you know, I can still go to the grocery store and be the only one without a mask on. I'm like, you know, there's, you don't have to be wearing masks right now. Like everybody's mm-hmm. vaccinated. We're a very liberal city. So people on that side, at least, there's nobody telling them they have to do it. They're just doing it now out of habit. And and it's a little bit strange for me. Um, you know, I talked to friends in other states and they're like, oh, yeah, no, we haven't been wearing masks for months, you know, that nobody does in here, you know, in Idaho or whatever they're at, you know. And, and so for us, it's still pretty surreal here in old blue Seattle. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I, I like what you said. You, you're, you go out and you, you've 
been out on the freeway with signs and stuff like that. I like what you said on your website. You said you feel like um, you're the Mets or the Raiders where you're disliked by your hometown crowd. I thought that was hilarious. I lived in Queens, I lived in Queens for 10 years and I was a Mets fan and it was true. Like It was like, oh, you're not the Yankees. You're just the Mets. We don't like you. And, uh, and it's really true. It's like, I feel, I feel the same thing. You know, I'm in the minority. We're doing all this powerful work. When you're out and you've got signs uh, mm-hmm. about, you know, maybe medical freedom or the masks or whatever, do people shout really negative things to you? Do people mean to you? Are they respectful? What's, what's the take when you're, when you're being out bold and, you know, with your sign and, and making a statement about what you're about? Tony, I'm glad you brought that up. It is so funny to see that because this, you know, Seattle, we call ourselves the Seattle Truth Network. That is our hometown. We're all here in Seattle, um, but we're so vastly outnumbered here, especially. Um, So yeah, we've been out um, all year long since um, April 6th of last of 2020. We've been out on the streets um, with our signs, sometimes on the freeway, sometimes just at intersections or at stores. And so our sign, um, our current sign says like, open Washington now. Yeah. And we have other signs that say unmask America. That's one of our big slogans right now. Yeah. Um, and you know, these are things where we're not really telling people what to do. We're just standing up for truth and freedom. Yeah. And you'd, man, you would be surprised how mean people can be, especially right here in our own backyard. Um, Tony, it seems to be uh, the closer we get to the university of Washington, the, the more that, vitriol really hits us uh, um so that and and when you look at the the facts about this who's pulling the strings a lot of the strings go back to the Uni- university of washington sure with the institute of um health metrics and um the, all the research being done there on vaccines and and whatnot so we are we we have a joke we call we say that we're in the belly of the beast and ah, yeah. as far as far as I can tell, that's true. I mean, honestly, we just go out a little bit like to SeaTac or Gig Harbor or Puyallup and, fine, right? and we get a totally different audience. It's yeah. like people there, it's almost reversed. It's like they, they cheer for us. It's like, it's like you said with the, with the, when the Yankees you know, versus the Mets, it's like that, that much of a difference where we, we're the, we're the heroes all of a sudden. Yeah. You got to get out to Staten Island in Queens and they're going to be honking and loving on you. Right. There you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, did you happen to see, there was a, there was a video that I saw on telegram and somebody posted it. It was an Israeli uh, primary school. Looked like it was maybe like fifth and sixth graders. And they made an announcement that they were no longer going to be required to wear masks. And the Jubilee that these kids showed, they were jumping up and down and high-fiving and tearing up their masks and just, just total expressed exuberance and joy. And I see that and I'm like, that's what's at stake right now. They, these kids don't voice it the way the adults are voicing it, right? If we comply with the mass, this is what we're doing to them. They're just like trying to go along, do the right thing, do what the crazy adults are telling them to do. But underneath it, the kids are so tired of this BS, right? Um, and, you know, we, we've been... Uh, I actually, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Did you, were you able to see that video or no? No, I haven't. But Tony, that, that brings tears to my eyes. I mean, that's, you know, it's like we are trying to free the children here. I mean, that yeah. is, that's, our, that's our future. And they have, they've been psychologically damaged by this yeah. and there's no getting around that. And I, I'm going to be honest with you though, 
Seattle is uniquely um, oppressed in this regard. I have, I will tell you, my interactions with children are largely that they are scared to death and they're yeah. holding on to, the, they're clinging to their masks. Yeah. Um, it, it's self imposed at this point. They will come around. You know, children are resilient, but mm-hmm. but it's going to take. Right now, you can't just tell them to take their masks off. They actually are afraid. Um, so I, I pray for the day when we see the children of Seattle like running around without masks again. And um, But it's going to have to come from the top down. The parents are going to have to start this. The schools yep. will have to stop enforcing this. Yeah. And then the yeah. children will, will eventually stop reinforcing it on each other. And that will... That then we'll have the the joy that you're talking about there. But um, Seattle is we're getting a unique um, we have a unique environment here that is really strongly affected. Yeah, it's heavy handed here for sure. You know, yeah. I I got asked to coach a little league or a, a teenage baseball team recently, and I've been watching the boys play uh, all season, but they're wearing masks. So I couldn't even, I know some of the boys cause I've coached them in soccer, but it's really hard to identify them cause they're all lanky and they all, you know, and it's like, it wasn't until I went to a practice and they had their masks off that I could be like, Oh, you know, then I could really see them. So they're not even being seen. And, and, you know, what, one thing that's really upsetting for me is my son's getting ready to start high school. And if they don't get this squared away, like, these are the years when you're courting and learning how to talk to the opposite sex and be nervous and like Mm -hmm. each other and being attracted and, and all that stuff, going to the prom, you stick masks on everybody. And it's, you know, you're taking away everything. You're taking away all their, all their interactions, all their, all these moments of their upbringing are going to be in peril. If you mask them up, I mean, it's not going to be as fun. They're not going to want to do it. You know, it's just going to be like, I got to be in a mask at the prom. You got to be kidding me. (laughs) So there's, there's a lot at stake. So, um, but I wanted to ask you like, where are we at in Washington with vaccines right now? Cause I see many States, you know, I see States that are banning vaccine requirements and I'm seeing states that are, uh, you know, they're just getting out in front of it. And it's the red states, of course. It's places like Florida and, and, and places like Texas where they're saying, you know, we're just going to head this off of the pass. We're going to tell you you can't. There's not going to be any mandatory vaccines in this state. So don't get any ideas. But in our state, as you pointed out on your website, you know, the media is really floating a lot of ideas. And I like how you said, you know, they're kind of seeing what we the people will accept um, and I think you're right on that. I think you can see things being floated. And when there's this big pushback, it's like, okay, well, they're not going to go for that. Maybe they'll do this. Um, what are you seeing in regards to that? Um, Lisa, my wife is starting to get very active in the school board and, and addressing the school board on this because there needs to be leadership all over. Um, mm-hmm. So what are you seeing with them floating and what should we stand for, if anything? Right. Well, Seattle, again, seems to be subjected to a very unique treatment mm-hmm. where we're um, basically I've been watching um, Governor Inslee on every one of his um, broadcasts and he's appealing to a certain sense of civic pride and um, that that may be encouraging people to become vaccinated when it's against their best interest. Um, and then you partner that with the media propaganda where it seems to 
um, really carry that party line, like without exception, without showing um, the other side of this. So it makes this formula of just almost lockstep acceptance of this, this, the miracle vaccine, you know? Yeah. (laughs) And so, um, so compared to other areas, Washington and Seattle seem to be very much on board with this vaccination. Mm-hmm. You know, they're changing this. They seem to be changing their plans routinely, regularly mm-hmm. um, in, in response to our pushback. And um, like they just opened, they just started the Washington lottery. I don't know if you're, I'm sure you saw I that. I saw that. Yeah. The lottery. <laughs> They'll be giving away a million dollars to one yeah. lucky vaccinated individual. I mean, yeah. people like you and me, we see that and we're just like, you know, we, we can, can almost, almost can't stop from vomiting when we see this. Something I, know. Like that. <laughs> I know. But they claim, they claim that it's increasing the rates of vaccination. So I don't know. You know, I saw, I was reading something by, um, uh, really smart guy, um, Cliff High. He does these algorithms. He's really good at predicting the future. I mean, he's got this really unique, I'm trying to get him on the show. He's such a smart guy. But he said, you know, my algorithms are showing that 19 out of 20 Democrats will be fully vaccinated and that only, only one in four conservatives will be fully vaccinated. And he goes, this is, these are alarming numbers, the disparity between the two groups. And he's like 19 out of 20, you've got to be kidding me. He goes, so if there's, if there's problems, if this untested vaccine ends up being a health issue, a health disaster, if there's a problem that shows up, which there's already massive vaccine injury statistics pouring into the VAERS site, VAERS is uh, they're being inundated and it looks like they're trying to scrub some of it off there. So it doesn't look so bad, but I just think it's a matter of time. It's going to really hit our population here in Seattle heavily in places like Portland and New York, where there's, a, you know, primarily Democrats. And I don't say that as a big victory thing. It's just like, it's going to be so terrible. I, I don't want this to happen, but I'm very wary of it. It seems like um, one group's all in and we don't quite know what the vaccination, what the results are going to be. I think, you know, I got two shots and I felt like shit for a couple of days and I'm done. I don't know if necessarily that's the end of the story with that. Um, and I just did an episode, uh, a, a good friend of mine, his 18 year old daughter had a very severe reaction to the Johnson and Johnson jab. Mm. And she ended up, she stopped breathing. Uh, and she's only 18, never been sick. And he had to resuscitate her. Um, and so we just did an episode of father daughter kind of father's day episode with Isabel and Howard. And, um, you know, my sense of it is we're going to see a lot more of this. I think there's going to be a lot of people here in Seattle that are going to know people in their inner circle where something really terrible happens and it's, it's not going to be good. It's not going to be good. I don't know where we're going to be with the vaccines, but there has to be um, informed consent. There, there, there needs to be, um, for we the people, we have to know what this is and what the side effects are and what is happening so we can make our choices um, moving forward. It can't just be we're going to cover up all the all the adverse reactions and all the science that we know that is, you know, there's doctors that are signing the alarm bell, like, be careful. This does not Mm -hmm. look good. And the media is not covering it. They're just whitewashing it and they're onto something else. 
And like you said, I'm seeing vaccine commercials right and loud. doesn't matter if I'm watching the Mariners play or I'm just watching television at night. I'm going to see vaccinate Washington. Good job, guys, all the time. And it's just like, you know, so anyway, that was kind of a ramble, but yeah. Well, Tony, it's it's really scary when they're combining such suppression of data along with such a strong push to get people vaccinated. It's like, Absolutely. what is the rush? What is the hurry? I, um, you know, it's it's um, unconscionable, really, what they're doing. Uh, I think the truth will come out eventually, but they seem to be suppressing it for as long as possible to get as many yeah. people into the the line as possible. Absolutely. I was, I was going to read something before we talk about um, okay. the, the March for Freedom. On your website, I, I there was something I found that I really liked. You said, quote, we are, were originally told wearing a mask was a sign of compassion for others, showing that you were being responsible and didn't want to risk infecting others. Most people started wearing masks at this point and were certainly acting out of the kindness of their hearts. This is really true. Mm-hmm. And you want to say, however, this act of kindness is nullified by the mandate since it no longer represents a choice. The mandate turns the wearer of a mask into a symbol of submission rather than an act of kindness. Mask wearers and non-mask wearers should be united in demanding a repeal of the mandate, unquote. This is really beautifully said. I don't think I've read it put that quite that way. There was always something weird about wearing the mask, you know, whether you wanted to or not. And I think you just captured it perfectly there that it's, you know, I think one of the things with you and I is I'm a stand for we, the people I'm Mm -hmm. not trying to infect others. I'm causing no one, no injury harm when I go out without a mask. And I'm actually a stand that we take these masks off because they're they're not what you thought they were doing, you know? And if you want to wear a mask, that's fine, but it should no longer be a requirement. It should have really never been a requirement, in my opinion. Um, and so I, do, I wanted to get your thoughts on that before we before we go into the, uh, the March for Freedom that you got coming up. Yeah. Thank you, Tony. Um, yeah. Clearly, the masks have been... Um, a tool of dividing us, right? Yeah, yeah. So by writing that, I was trying to pull us all together because we actually should be stand, taking a stand together, whether you feel like wearing a mask or not, um, and resist like this divisive um, tool. Um, so what I see is, uh, you know, fair enough. When people wear masks, it's fine if it's out of compassion for others. But let's look at the authorities. They have actually never claimed that a mask stops a viral particle. So for them to claim that it's a tool of public health is a fallacy Mm -hmm. by any stretch. Mm -hmm. So thus to force it onto someone with the very nature of a mask mandate is admitting that it's a tool for compliance of some sort. So I've been trying to encourage even mask wearers to come on our side and be like, um, you know, stand up to this. Well, and it's the same with the with the medical freedom on the vaccines. I'm okay if you want to get vaccinated. Like that is totally fine. But you should have choice. Everybody should have a choice to make their selections. And they should not be giving up liberties because they didn't choose box A, mm-hmm. right? That goes against our constitutional rights. This is not, you know, this is not do this or you can't do any of the things that's that, you know, hold a job, travel, uh, be at school, I mean, right. that, that there's, there's this discrimination. And I think we all have a stake in this, including people that are here and, and have been vaccinated fully and believe in it and wear the mask and believe that's right. They also have a stake in our rights to mm-hmm. make these choices for ourselves. So, um, so 
that takes me to you have a July 3rd March for Freedom, Washington. So where is that going to be? And what is it about? I'm going to be joining you. So will my wife. So I'm looking forward to seeing you there. But what tell us a little bit about it and who's invited and what's what it's what's going to be the vibe and what are we doing there? Fabulous. Thanks, Tony. Yeah, this is going to be our third march, the March for Freedom Three. And basically it was an idea uh, of a group of ours to just get as many people as we could right in the heart of Seattle to really make a statement that, hey, we're here and we're not afraid. You know, we are we are the voice of freedom that lives in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And um, so we, we're gathering the same, we're doing the same route as the first two, which is we're gathering at Fifth Avenue North and Mercer Street in Seattle, which is, by the way, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, appropriately enough. Yep. Um, so this time we're going to start at 11 and we're, because it's a holiday and it's summer, we want everyone to bring a picnic lunch and join us at 11. And we'll be uh, around noon, we'll have an open mic, which means um, anyone can sign up and just speak because we're holding the doors open for free speech because that has been so assaulted this year. Yep. So by all means, come and say something. If you, you know, if you, anyone has an opinion to speak or if they need help or they'd like to start a group or get support on some agenda, by all means, come and talk. Um, and then that'll be around noon. And then at two o'clock, we'll have a bit of an opening presentation. We'd like to have fun with this. Beautiful. I'll, I'll be speaking and we'll have a little, do a little bit of a fun dance, you know, to Footloose. Nice. Do the dance to Footloose in honor of the governor banning dancing. <laughs> That's beautiful. In the state lockdown. And then, Tony, we basically, then we pick up signs and we walk all the way from Fifth Avenue down to Fairview, all along Mercer Street. It's one of the busiest streets in Seattle. And then we walk back on the other side. And the whole way there and the whole way back, we are just engaging with the drivers. We are making a lot of noise, a lot of ruckus. Nice. It's it's a busy street and we get a great amount of feedback, positive and negative. People, people afterwards, people are I, I have heard so many people tell me after this that, wow, I didn't know Seattle wanted their freedom so much because we get so much of a support from Seattle. That's great. Because you don't see that when you see 99% of the people walking around with masks on. You think everyone wants this. But the truth is that they're actually, at this point especially, they're kind of being bullied into it. So we want to invite them back onto our side uh, where we'll we'll stand up for them. That's great. Thank you so much. I mean, I love, I love, you know, we've got these wedge issues that we're, people are on one side or the other. We, the people, you're doing, you're doing such a service for our tribe, our tribe being everyone, that this does not have to divide us. It does not matter which side you're on. We all have a stake in this. We all want this to be, we all want our freedoms. Mm -hmm. And like you said, we're being bullied. And I just, I love that you're unifying people. Um, I, I'm attracted to people that are that are doing that. And let us know. We'll be there for the march because it sounds just like fun to go and dance and just be and raise ruckus. Uh-huh. Thank, thank you so much for your courage and your leadership. And we've got your back. And let's just keep up the great work. And we'll we're gonna have you know we're gonna unfold this and be engaged. And I just thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your insight and your wisdom today. You're welcome. And Tony, if I might just add that I encourage people to contact me directly. I'm here to help and support. They can reach me at my website, which is um, marchforfreedomwa.com. 
And if they contact me through there, they'll get directly to, to me. We're, we're trying to organize to um, remind people, to remind everyone that you can be exempt from the mask mm-hmm. and you can definitely stand exempt from the vax. Mm-hmm. And so if anyone is running into issues like that, by all means, contact me and we're there to support. Beautiful. Thank you for saying mm-hmm. that. We appreciate it. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Victoria Palmer. She is inviting the entire state of Washington to come to Seattle on July 3rd for the March for Freedom 3, starting at 11 a.m. at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Come join us there. If you have any questions or wish to open a dialogue with her, you can reach out to her directly at contact at marchforfreedomwa.com. That's our show for today. Men, remember that the story of your life is not yet all told. I'm Tony Rezac, and thank you for listening to Basecamp for Men.